1: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
0: Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries. And we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject Hebraic Bible Prophecy. This is part one of the series. I am going to be speaking about a Hebraic view of Bible prophecy. And particularly, I'm going to be speaking on how a PLO state and the dividing of the land of Israel will lead to the judgment of the nations, the fall of the spiritual land of Babylon, the ingathering of the exiles, and the messianic era these things are associated with the bible refers to as the controversy of zion the controversy of zion is a controversy over the land of israel itself and it's a controversy of those who want to believe the covenant that the god of israel made with abraham isaac and jacob let's review some of our topics of discussion which we are going to be sharing in this presentation to begin with in order to understand the end of days and the events of the end of days we need to understand the tribulation itself is referred to as jacob's trouble the reason why it's referred to as jacob's trouble is there is a conflict between the house of jacob and the house of esau this conflict gets the whole world involved in it through the united nations and the peace process that is being negotiated between israel and her arab neighbors is actually a united nations peace process based upon united nations resolutions and all of this is regarded as the controversy of zion when the solution for the middle east conflict is in conflict with the plan and purposes of the God of Israel. It results in a controversy. Isaiah 34 8 calls it the controversy of Zion and then in order to understand how this controversy is going to play out in the events that are going to happen we need to understand how Hanukkah plays a role in that because biblical history is prophecy and what happened historically relating to what came to be the celebration of Hanukkah is going to be replayed out in the end of days so these are the topics which we are going to be presenting in a hebraic view of bible prophecy so in order to understand the eschatology of the end of days you have to understand that messianic times is referred to as the day of the lord and the day of the lord begins in darkness or tribulation. The Bible tells us events that happen in the day of the Lord so we can recognize we're in the day of the Lord. And those events center around the dividing of the land of Israel, the judgment of the nations, the fall of Babylon, and it's known as the controversy of Zion. And the reason why there's such a worldwide controversy and the reason why it's called Jacob's Trouble is because Jacob is in a battle with Esau. So therefore, the tribulation is a conflict between the house of Jacob and the house of Esau. So now we have to understand that element and aspect of this conflict between the house of Jacob and the house of Esau, what are the characteristics of it, and do we see evidence of it happening today? Once again, we need to understand the principle that the end is told in the beginning. So we're going to look at what happened in Genesis to understand what's going to happen prophetically. There's another very important biblical principle which we need to understand as it relates to the end of days, which is specified in Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2, and verse 4, which says, Give ear, O my people, to my law or to my Torah, incline your ears to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth in a parable. I want you to put the thought of verses 1 and 2 together. And the thought is this, give ear to my law, give ear to my Torah, I will open my mouth in a parable. Give ear to my law, I will open my mouth in a parable. Do you get it? The Torah is a parable. Give ear to my law. I will open my mouth in a parable. The Torah is a parable. You know what a parable is? It's something that has a deeper meaning other than the literal understanding. That's what a parable is. And so when we read history, we we read about a literal event. We're told here that the Torah is a parable. There's a greater meaning to it than just the history that you find recorded. It's a parable that is meant to be understood by the last generation. Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from the children, showing in the King James translated, showing the generation to come. The phrase... To come is the Hebrew word akaron, which you can see here, the meaning of akaron, the primary meaning of the word, it means last. So it should be translated showing the last generation, but the King James translated it more generically and just translated it as to come, but it specifically means showing the final generation. So the parable is a, the Torah is a parable that is meant to be understood and known by the final generation. The final generation will understand how biblical history is prophecy. Hosea chapter 8 verses 11 and 12. But Ephraim has made many altars to sin, altars shall be made unto him to sin. I have written to him the great things of my law or my Torah, but they were counted as a strange thing. Why is it that the God of Israel calls his Torah great? but his people regard it as a strange thing. You see where it's translated strange thing here? In the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word that means an adulterous woman. His people regard it as something that's adulterous. And you know, do you want to follow the God of Israel? You want to stay away from adultery? And so his people regard his Torah as adultery, something that you want to stay away from. He regards it as great. Why does he think it's so great for it when we think it's so boring? It's history. It's because he wrote history to tell you about prophecy. He wrote history to tell you about the end of days. He wrote history to tell you about the first coming of the Messiah. He wrote history to tell you about the second coming of the Messiah. You want to understand everything that's about to happen? He's already told you it's in biblical history. That's why it's great. Who else can orchestrate history so that what happened in the beginning of time happens in the end of time? Who can do that? He says in Isaiah 46, no one can do that. I'm the only one that can do that. So let's look at the birth of Jacob and Esau and let's see how it's prophecy. Genesis 25, verses 21 through 23. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. By the way, let me give you a hint here. I'm not going to take the time to explain it. Isaac is a prophetic picture of Zion. And the children struggled together within her, her and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire the Lord. The Lord said, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from your bowels. The one people will be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, in Genesis chapter 31, verses 1 through 3 and verse 18, we see that Jacob has been persecuted by Uncle Laban, for 20 years, and after 20 years of serving him, the God of Israel says, hey, it's time to go home. The 20 years of serving Laban is a prophecy of 2,000 years since the time of Yeshua till now, where there would be a a scattering into all nations of the earth. And after that 2,000 years, The God of Israel is going to say, hey, it's time to come home now. And he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. You know what that's an allusion to? Anti-Semitism. So anti-Semitism has got to rise up after 2,000 years and cause Jacob to return home. And that which was our father's, has he gotten all this glory? And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban. Behold, It was not toward him as before. You see, generally speaking, the United States of America has been a wonderful place for Jews to live. There's been very little persecution. But I'd like to submit to you if, if, if Israel nukes Iran tomorrow and it causes the economy to fall and people to lose their jobs, and you know who's got to be blamed for our economic problems and the reason why you don't have a job? The Jews! And... Those who don't know their Bible, this country will become very anti-Semitic overtly overnight. And so the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and your kindred and I will be with you. Why did he have to tell him that he would be with him? Because it wasn't going to be easy. So you know what he's telling you today? Return to the land of your fathers and I will be with you. You know why he has to say I will be with you today? Because in the natural it does not make any sense. If you want safety in this world, does it make logical sense that your safety is the land of Israel? It makes no no sense but that's why you need to understand the Word of God because ultimately when you really do the fullness of his will it won't make any sense because his ways are higher than our ways Genesis chapter 31 verse 18 and he carried away all his cattle and his goods and he has gotten the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padan Haran to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan and so we're told about the return of Jacob In Genesis chapter 32, he greets Esau when he's returning back to the land, and Jacob is interested in making peace with Esau. And so in Genesis 32, 6, the messengers return to Jacob saying, We've come to your brother Esau, and he comes to meet you, and 400 men with him. You see, Jacob wants to make peace. Esau is ready to fight. And as a result of Jacob willing to make peace with Esau and doing what it takes. Oh, what do you want me to give him? And he offered him so many things, the scriptures tell us. As a result of this peace gesture, but Esau coming with 400 men, we have these words of the response of Jacob. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. You know what that's a prophetic allusion to? The tribulation. And it's from Jacob being distressed... And afraid in meeting Esau in Genesis 32 that Jeremiah picks up and refers to the end of days as Jacob's trouble. In Genesis 32, 24, Jacob was left alone and and there he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. And so Jews have to wrestle with, is Yeshua the Messiah? Christians got to wrestle with, we follow Torah? Are we to go back to the land of Israel? I thought we were getting raptured and going to heaven and all these problems don't pertain to us. You're telling me that this country is going to fall and we're supposed to go back to the land of Israel. And so there's a wrestling with, these, with this thought, both within Judaism and Christianity, until the breaking of the day. The breaking of the day is the end of the tribulation when Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And so here, Jacob being greatly afraid and distressed is an illusion to Jacob's trouble, the end of days, which Jeremiah picks up in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. Now, continuing on in Genesis chapter 33, it says, Esau ran toward him and kissed him. Now, if you would look at this in a Torah scroll where it says he kissed him, there are dots in a Torah scroll above and he kissed him. Why are the dots above letters And why are there dots above a word in the Scriptures? What's the purpose of the dots? It's to emphasize and catch your attention that there's something about what's happening here that you need to understand. And so we are told here by the rabbis that those dots means there's a special point of emphasis that needs to be understood. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy that Esau's peace overtures to Jacob would not be sincere. His kiss of death, in essence. And so this is a prophecy of the end of days that when Yasser Arafat is shaking hands with Yitzhak Rabin and signing Oslo I, he's not sincere about making peace. It's a kiss of death. The same as Machmu Abbas. It is a kiss of death. Now let's begin to look at the details of what the scriptures talk about this end time battle between Jacob and Esau. Let's see the signs of it and let's see if these things are happening today. What we're going to look at is that Esau wages a war of violence against Jacob. Esau says the mountains of Israel or the West Bank is his. Esau hides in caves. And the word for violence in Hebrew is Hamas. And there's a reference to Allah, the curse of Allah. Iron mixed with clay. And Esau wants to make the name of Jacob be no longer a remembrance. These are the characteristics of the battle between Jacob and Esau in the end of days that we're going to see in the scriptures now. And then you tell me whether we are not in this period of time at the moment. Genesis chapter 36, verse 8. Mount Seir is Esau. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. In Ezekiel chapter 35, the chapter is a prophecy against Esau for waging a war of violence against Jacob and his judgment. Ezekiel 35 verse 2, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. Mount Seir is Edom or Esau. Ezekiel 35 verse 3, O Mount Seir, I am against you. I will set my hand against you and make you most desolate because you have a perpetual hatred and you've shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword. And so, Esau would be shedding the blood of the children of Israel by the sword. What is the symbol of Islam? A sword. And so, he's shedding the blood of the children of Israel with the sword in the name of Islam. I would like to submit to you this is happening now. We call it homicide or suicide bombings. In the time of their calamity. What's the time of their calamity? It's Jacob's trouble, the tribulation. But I want you to notice what also it's associated In the time that their iniquity had an end. What's the iniquity? Breaking the covenant. What was the punishment for breaking the covenant? Exile in the nations. What's the time of the end of that punishment? The end of the iniquity. The end of the exile. So the outcome of the battle between Jacob and Esau, the tribulation, is the ingathering of the exiles from all the nations of the earth. The purpose of all these events happening is so that the God of Israel could redeem His people with signs, wonders, and miracles in the sight of all the nations against all odds so that Yeshua the Messiah can be glorified and recognized as the Messiah by His people. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 5 says, Therefore... Thus says the Lord, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the resident of the heathen and against all Edomia, is what the King James says. Idumea is the Latin form of the biblical name Edom. And so this is speaking against Esau or Edom. Why? Because the Bible says that the one who wants to make the mountains of Israel or the West Bank his possession, the Bible refers to the one that wants to do that is Esau. Ezekiel 36, verse 1, Son of man, prophesy against the mountains of Israel and say, You mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. I want you to notice this is a prophecy to dirt. The mountains of Israel is dirt. It's a prophecy to dirt. And it says, Because the enemy has set against you, Aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. So the prophecy is that the enemy would say that the mountains of Israel belongs to him. Who is saying today that the mountains of Israel belongs to them? The PLO. They're saying we want to make it our state. Ezekiel 36 verse 5 tell us the intention of making the mountains of Israel their possession. Surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Edomia or Esau who have appointed my land for their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds. What's the joy of all their heart? A PLO state. What's the despiteful mind? To cast Israel into the sea. And he says, I have spoken against you. In Obadiah chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Obadiah, and the, the book is written to Esau and prophesies of his judgment for waging a war against Jacob in the end of days. Obadiah 1.1, the vision of Obadiah concerning Edom or Esau. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you, you that dwell in the clefts of the rock. The word clefts here is the Strong's number 2288. It's the Hebrew word hagav. And it means clefts or places of concealment or retreats, or you might say caves. And where is Bin Laden hiding? He's hiding in caves. If you know your Bible because an enemy of Israel and of the United States is hiding in caves, you should automatically recognize that, oh, that's Esau. That's a battle against Jacob. Oh, we're in the end of days. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 10. For your violence against your brother Jacob, shame will cover you and you'll be cut off forever. The word violence is as strong as number 2555. It's the Hebrew word Hamas. And what is the name of the prime PLO terror organization? The one who has been elected to represent the Palestinian people? Hamas. The God of Israel is telling you exactly who the enemy is and who the enemy calls himself. Hamas. Now, this is all being done in the name of Allah, right? In the name of Islam. Daniel chapter 9 verse 11 it says all Israel has transgressed your law even by departing that you might not obey that you might not obey thy voice therefore the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses the servant of God because we've sinned against him the word curse is the strong's number 423 and it consists of the Hebrew letters aleph lamed and hay aleph is a ah, Lamed is L and Ah is A, ah, so you can pronounce this Allah. Therefore, Allah is poured upon us, and Allah is the curse, because all Israel has transgressed the law, because Israel won't follow the law, because Jews who live in Israel won't follow the law, because believers in Yeshua as the Messiah won't follow the law, the curse is being poured out to get you to understand what the problem is, because we're just not getting it otherwise. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream which Daniel goes on to interpret. And what is outlined here is Gentile powers that will rule over the nation of Israel. First, the Babylonians, then the, the Medes and the Persians, then the Grecians, then the Romans. And then it speaks about in the end of days, there will be ten toes that will be part of iron and part of clay. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 41, it talks about the iron mixed with clay. The word mixed here is the Strong's number 6151. It's the Aramaic word Arab. It says iron Arab with clay. And it says iron doesn't mix with clay. It won't work. And so what we have here is the Western world personified by the the United States trying to go into an Islamic country and trying to make it democratic. It is Western values making an Islamic country into a Western society. It's iron mixed with clay. It won't work. The Bible prophesies it won't work. You want to know why we're having problems, why there's a civil war and there's not an answer to the problem? The Bible says, A, it would happen. B, it won't work the tents of esau want to make the name of israel to cease to exist in psalm 83 for lo, your enemies make a tumult and they that hate you have lifted up the head they've taken crafty counsel against your people they've consulted your hidden ones they have said come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of israel may be no more remembered For they have consulted together with one consent. They are a confederate against you. So in speaking about those who want to have the nation of Israel to cease to exist, it begins by saying the tabernacles or the tents of Edom. The house of Edom, the tabernacles of Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagarines, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistines, Tyre, Asher, the children of Lot. Basically what we call all the Arab peoples, all the Middle Eastern peoples. And so under the umbrella of all of these people, the, the one that the Bible identifies as the head of all these people together is Esau. Or because it's not literally just Esau, it's called the house of Esau or the tabernacles of Esau. It is Yeshua the Messiah who will defeat Esau at his second coming because he's going to fight against those who come against Zion or come against the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra that is glorious in his apparel? Why is he glorious in his apparel? Because he's gathered the exiles of Israel. Traveling in the greatness of His strength, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Who is He that speaks in righteousness mighty to save? Yeshua the Messiah. Why are you red in your apparel and your garments like Him that treads the wine fat? Why are you red? Because He's a warrior. He's bloody. He's judging the nations. Revelation 19.13, He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The next thing that we need to understand, what we have learned so far, is the Messiah that gathers the exiles of Israel and the New Testament centers on explaining the role of the messiah to gather the exiles of israel in order to understand the end of days you need to understand who you are that the prophecies are directed to the house of jacob we've explained that we needed to explain the eschatology of the end of days specifically a term called the day of the lord and that the tribulation starts with the darkness part of the day of the lord and that in that period of time there's a conflict between jacob and esau Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, Hebraic Bible Prophecy. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.